Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Turned on. Well, my name is Stephen Elliott. I'm the pastor of high school ministries here at Grace. And as you heard, Pastor John's still recovering. He had surgery a week and a half ago, and so he's recuperating from that. And so I get the great uh, privilege to. Uh, speak to us, the church, and to share God's word this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians five seventeen to 6, verse 1. This morning's message is, uh, specifically verse 21, is commonly referred to as uh, what we call the Great Exchange. Um, there are several different texts in, in the Scriptures that we refer to as the Great something. Like we in, in Matthew 28, we have the Great Commission, where Jesus says to go and make disciples. Uh, we have the Greatest Commandment, where Jesus says, where he's asked, what is the Greatest Commandment? And he says, it's love God and love others as yourself. Uh, and in here, in 2 Corinthians, we have what we, we typically refer to as the Great Exchange. And this, this text, this whole section, but again, specifically uh, in verse 21, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it really is, is very much kind of a, an, an x-ray. It really breaks down the surface. It gets a kind of a look at what really goes on on the inside when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ. And it displays and shows and reveals to us what happened, what really did happen on the cross when uh, Jesus laid down his life for us. And so let's read that text right now. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. The Great Exchange. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to, to pull out your notes and grab a pen from the chair in front of you. But if you're taking notes, the, the main point, the big idea, if you're going to just boil this text down, what, is, what does it mean and what does it imply to us as the church? What is Paul trying to tell us? Your main point is as Jesus followers, as Jesus followers, Think about that. We, live, we, we often refer to the title as Christians, and too often I think that has just been kind of so, you know, so common that we forget what that means. But as Jesus followers, as followers of Jesus, we live differently because we are a new creation. As Jesus followers, we live differently because we are a new creation. 
as Jesus followers, we don't try harder. We don't do things better because we are, have to try and live this better life because we have to put on some kind of a show because we have to have this, you know, have this image of being a better person. Like, oh man, we, we better not look like the world. You know, we got to just try harder and do things a little bit better. We live differently because we are a new creation. We live differently because we are different. Not because we have to try and put on this better image, but because we are a new creation. The great exchange again, if you're taking notes, explaining this idea of this great exchange, what happens when we have basically traded places with Jesus. The great exchange means that Christ has exchanged or traded, put in parentheses in your notes, exchanged or traded his righteousness with our sin. The great exchange means that Christ has exchanged or traded his righteousness with our sin. He exchanged places with us. We experience, when Jesus died on the cross and when we surrender our lives to him and when we accept his offer, his gift of salvation, and when we turn around and choose to be followers of him, we experience the full favor and love of God and Jesus experienced on the cross, Jesus experienced the full wrath and separation of the Father on the cross. This idea of righteousness is a very churchy word and one we, we throw around a lot, but basically it means being in right standing in God's eyes. It means being, once again, being in right relationship with God, where we are now found to be right with God, whereas once we were sinners, we were separated from God. But through the cross, because Jesus has exchanged places with us, we now are made right with him. You see, it's important to realize that God is a, is a very just and good God, and he can't just ignore our sin. When we, when we sin, when we violate his laws and his commands, he can't just say, ah, I know I said, don't do that. I know I said, do these things, live this life, and you didn't do that. But no big deal. I'm just going to kind of turn a blind eye to that. I'm sure you parents uh, experience that with your kids where you tell them not to do something, and you like, at some point you're like, okay, this just isn't worth the fight. I'm just going to pretend I didn't see that. God doesn't work that way. He can't just ignore and overlook sin. Out of God's great justice and rightness and goodness, he must punish sin. He's not some barbaric bully, though, that's just looking for a fight and looking for someone to just, you know, I just have all this pent-up rage that I just got to, like, beat up someone and just pour it out on someone and look for someone to, uh, you know, to, to beat up. And I, I'm just going to just pour it out on Jesus just because I'm, I'm a punk like that. That's not God. He is just and right and perfect and holy. But God is also, and, and therefore he must punish sin. But God is in the same sense, as Brian was talking about earlier, he's not just, you know, more one than the other or one, you know, overshadows the other. He is also caring and compassionate and loving and merciful. And he longs for us to enter back into this right relationship with him. And so on the cross, we see the, we see the expression 
of both of these characteristics of God. And on the cross, both characteristics of God are satisfied. God's wrath and justice is, for, is poured out fully to, on, on Jesus towards sin. And God's love and mercy is shown on the cross as well towards us. And so we have this great exchange. So we, we exchange places with Jesus. And to better understand this, to better, um, to better grasp this idea, I think it's important that we understand a couple of, uh, a couple of terminologies, a couple of, a couple of definitions. And so in your notes, if, you've got, if you're taking notes, um, under the word reconcile, the word reconcile, Paul uses it several times in this text. He says how we are reconciled to him, how we are reconciling the world. It is through us that we are reconciling the world to himself. But what does that mean? It means to restore or heal a broken relationship. To restore or heal a broken relationship. Uh, many, again, going back to you parents, many of you parents are very familiar with this. Maybe with your, you see your kids fighting and you kind of like have to sit them down and you, maybe you kind of like force them to say, like, apologize to your brother, apologize to your sister. And they kind of do the, you know, they hang their head and they're sorry. Uh, but you realize that, that that is not real reconciliation. They're just mouthing the words. But what we have here is a real reconciliation where things are actually made right, where the relationship that was broken is restored and it's made right. The broken relationship, though, is completely our fault. It is completely one-sided. We are the ones who have violated God's commands. We are the ones that broke it. We are the ones through our sin who have destroyed this relationship. And the restoration and the reconciliation is completely one-sided as well. It is completely on God. Look at verse 19. In, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. It doesn't say in Christ and in humanity, we kind of bartered, we kind of reached this, you know, we kind of reached this middle ground and this agreement. This reconciliation was completely the, the, the fault was completely on us, but the reconciliation and the restoration was completely on God through Jesus Christ and through the cross. The second definition that's under, important to understand is imputation. Imputation. It means to cut a limb off. Just kidding. That's amputation. <laughs> See, who's paying attention this morning? I imagine some of you were like, wait, what? Imputation. Imputation is a banking term. One of the great joys of my job is that uh, I, I work with, we do several camps every year. We do a Mission to Mexico trip, which is coming up very shortly. And uh, in those, in, inevitably, every year, there's folks that will, will contact me and they'll say, hey, I'm familiar with so-and-so. Or uh, maybe they'll, in, in so-and-so's situation, or maybe they'll just say, hey, you know what? The Lord just put it on my heart to, to make a certain amount of money available to someone for someone to go to camp who couldn't afford it otherwise. Um, and they'll just, they'll just write a check to the church and they'll say, put this towards so-and-so's fee towards for beach camp or winter camp or Mission to Mexico. I know a lot of you have probably gotten um, support letters from our students going to Mission to Mexico and you'll you know, maybe write a check and send it in with a slip to church and say, this is for so-and-so's account. And this is to credit towards so-and-so to go to, to have access to uh, this camp or this mission trip. That is imputation. You are crediting a fee towards someone's account. 
you are making it possible for someone's way to be paid to get somewhere. Again, it's to put into, it's, imputation is to put into a person's account. And this is what happened to Christ on the cross. God imputed our sins on him. And he paid the debt that we could never pay. And in reverse, it, and, th and that's not it though. That's not the end of the story. And so often we think that that's it, you know, our debt was paid. But the other, the, the flip side of the coin is that, and what, what verse 21 says is that he imputed his righteousness on us. So don't think for a second that, that salvation is simply God sitting at like a, a toll booth, a ticket booth, and we just walk up, we say the prayer, we hand him our ticket, he punches it, and we just keep right on going, and there, nothing has changed. That is, that is the farthest thing from what happened. That is, uh, that is just a, a gross misunderstanding and just such a, such a shell of what salvation really is, is that we got to realize that we have been dressed in the righteousness of Christ. It is not only that he took our sins on him, but that we are given the righteousness of Christ. It is a complete change in our nature. Who we are is, has been completely changed. That is the message uh, of the whole gospel, not just in 2 Corinthians 5, but in the whole gospel that we are now this, this new creation in Christ. Again, so please don't ever cheapen the gospel by minimalizing it to this admission ticket where we just get a stamp and just keep on going, and it doesn't affect anything of how we change our— uh, it doesn't affect anything in our lives. There's no change. It's just this sweet getting-to-heaven-free card. Uh, that, is, that is not it. I liken it to um, th this idea of understanding this, uh, this change in who we are. I, I think of it of uh, a caterpillar and a butterfly. If you— Look at the two. You hold up a, a caterpillar and a butterfly. You might think that's really gross. Um, but if you look at the two, you would, you would look and you'd say, on the outside, these are two very different things. Um, you know, just, just from the looks of it, you, you would have no idea that, um, that they are actually one and the same. If you look at the DNA structure, though, of both of those, they are absolutely the same thing. On the, again, on the outside, they look completely different. This caterpillar is in the process, and it goes into the cocoon thing, and, um, you know, then it, it becomes this butterfly, but its DNA structure never changes. When we have given our lives to Jesus, our DNA changes. We might still struggle on the outside. We might not be perfect. We kind of look more like that nasty, gross caterpillar with all those weird, like, leg things that go along. Um, but when, but if you were to look at our DNA, our spiritual DNA, our spiritual DNA reads Jesus Christ, and we stand before God dressed in his righteousness, there is a change in who we are, and we have got to understand that. And I think it is also important that we, that we realize that, that that even affects our language and our, our, the, the phrases that we use. You may have said, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I would actually take issue with that because that implies that we, I, I think we are emphasizing that we are sinners. And the very fact is we are no longer sinners. We are saints who sin. We do make mistakes. We, again, we are kind of more like that nasty butterfly or more like that nasty caterpillar, excuse me. But... <laughs> Butterflies are nasty, too. Um, especially when they hit your car windshield. Anyway, that wasn't in my notes. Um, but we kind of look like that on the outside, but it is important that we continually fall back on the fact 
that our nature, our character has changed. Our, our spiritual DNA reads Jesus Christ. We have to fall back on that over and over and over. Again, if you're, if you're taking notes, the great exchange, your second point. The great exchange means that we are now ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. We are now ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. It doesn't end with the fact that we are now saved and we are now changed. Paul interweaves this idea all through this text in 2 Corinthians 5 and 6 that, that, that we are changed and it changes who we are. It changes how we live. We have been restored, we have been reconciled, and now we become reconcilers. God has reached out to us and now we are ambassadors to reach out to the world. Uh, it's, it's woven all throughout the text. And it's so important to realize that when we have traded places with Christ, it's not just, again, it's not this gift and sweet, now you are this new person. But now we are this new person so that we can go out into this world and bring others back to himself and reconcile people back to himself. We are ambassadors for Christ and his kingdom. The idea of an ambassador, it's in one of your definitions, an ambassador is a representative who conducts business for a person, group, or nation. An ambassador is a representative who conducts business for a person, group, or nation. Our, our country has ambassadors. Every, virtually every country um, in, the, in the world, I looked it up on Wikipedia this week of, of who our ambassadors are, and we have, we have a lot of ambassadors. There's certain countries where it's kind of interesting. If you look it up in Wikipedia, it says, uh, the United States does not have relations with this country, and therefore we do not have ambassadors. There's very few of them, but, but we have ambassadors in virtually every nation in the world, and their job is to conduct business on behalf of the United States. Everything that they do, every meeting that they have, is, and, and, and every decision that they make is what is in the best interest of the United States. They, they represent the United States. While their, their you know, building and their offices are technically within the borders of that country, that soil is seen as United States soil. It is seen as sovereign land. And we have to realize that the ambassadors for Jesus are not the, the physical boundaries of this property. The ambassadors for Jesus Christ are you and me and us as the church, living and breathing and walking and living in our world around us. Paul says that because we have been reconciled to God, because we have exchanged places with Christ, we are now ambassadors for him and we represent him and everything we do must be in what is in the best interest of God and the kingdom. We represent him. We conduct business for him. Paul says in verse 18, basically he says, we are entrusted with the message of reconciliation. In, in this day, in Paul's, Paul's time, there was no, there was no FaceTime, uh, there was no Skype, there was no quick cell phones where a, you know, a businessman or a, you know, a, a general or a, you know, a commanding officer of some sort could just like pick up his phone or radio and like contact someone else and just be in communication with them. Obviously, you know that they had to, so what they would do is they would give a messenger 
a message. And they would not only just say, here's the message, but they would empower them with the ability to communicate and to conduct business on their behalf, whether it was you know, financial business or whether it was military movements or planning or organization or political moves, they would be empowered with the, the ability to conduct business on their behalf. And Paul's using that same, that same idea and that same language here is that we have been empowered with the ability and the message to conduct business on behalf of Jesus Christ. We are entrusted with that message of reconciliation. We, in verse 20, says basically we are the venue through which God is appealing to this world. Think about that. So not only are we empowered with the message, he's in verse 20, he's saying literally we are the, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We are his mouthpiece. It is through us that God has chosen to bring, to reconcile and to bring the world back to himself. What a what a great privilege this is. If you really stop and think about it, we just, we, we might listen to a message like that and that might be overwhelming. You think, oh my gosh, what, you know, what do I got to do? And this is, just seems like daunting and terrifying. In a, in a sense, yes, but really, what a great privilege. The God of the universe that doesn't need us chose us to be his hands and feet and to be his mouthpiece. He chose us to carry this message into a lost and a dying and a broken world that so desperately needs him. What a great honor and privilege we have been given. You are not saved so that you can become the sovereign island nation of me. You are not saved so that you can just kick back and relax and just live this easy life knowing going to heaven, going to be great, no worries. I'm just going to take it easy through life, not worry, not ruffle any feathers. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to church when it's convenient, but don't want to, you know, deal with anything. No, friends, you are, you are an ambassador for Jesus. And Paul doesn't put a time limit on here. He doesn't say you are an ambassador for this, um, this term, you know, put in your service, do, do, you know, work hard while you're young or while you have the energy, and then in your, in your old age, just kind of relax, you know, take it easy. You, you put in your time. I mean, just the, just the example of Paul himself is that until the day we die, until the day we meet Jesus face to face, we are ambassadors and we carry the message with us. Uh, when I was young, I, I played this game, this, uh, this game is called The Blob. Many of you may, may have played it, maybe not. Uh, but basically, it's played in, a, played in a court, and we would play, I think we played in like a basketball court, so within, this, within these boundaries. And the idea is that you start with two, maybe three people, and it's with, you know, a whole bunch of kids. And so I remember playing this, and there was, you know, I don't know, probably 50 of us kids, and you just turn them loose in this basketball court. And you start with, again, two or three people, and they link arms, or maybe, you know, they link elbows like that. And... The, it's it's kind of like a dodgeball in that it's a game of elimination. And the, the blob is those two or three kids. And what they do is they run around and they try and tag the other kids. And when you are tagged, you join the blob and you link arms. And now, you know, now it's three of us and now it's four of us. And we, and so as, as the group gets bigger, as more and more kids are tagged, um, the, the, the goal for in this game is to be the last, you know, the last kid standing before they're, before they're tagged by the blob. But, but after a while, this blob just becomes this massive, I mean, it's, it's almost not even fair for the last few kids because they just kind of form this whole wall and they just kind of march down and they just encompass and envelop these poor kids. I remember being the last one and I, I actually remember getting a bloody nose because all these kids like, boom, you know, smash you. Um, 
But that's how we are as the church. That's how we are as believers, that when we come to know Christ, we join the blob. We join the community of believers, and together we link arms, and we serve as ambassadors, and we serve as lights in this dark world. I think so many of us Christians think we're playing a game of freeze tag, where we're tagged, and then we just say, sweet, okay, my game's over, I'm done. You know, I'll leave, I'll leave the rest of the game to you who are, you who are it. I'm just going to stand here. Folks, that is, that is not us. We have to join arms. We have to link shoulder to shoulder, side by side, and make a difference in this world. So where can we be his ambassadors? Where can you be an ambassador for Christ in the world around you? Where can we as the church be ambassadors? A few examples that I, that I wrote down. There's, there's many. And this is ultimately, I, I think this is a prayer that we all need to be praying. Is Lord, where, where, am I, where can I be an ambassador? Where can I carry your message? Where can I conduct business on your behalf? Serve in children's or youth ministry. Serve in children's or youth ministry. And some of us might think, oh my gosh, that is, that is daunting. They, they're weird. They smell. They're I don't understand their language. Trust me, I work with high schoolers. I agree with you. <laughs> they, are, they are weirdos. They, a lot of them smell. Um, it's true. But you know what? Love and death. And, and you know what? They are the next generation of believers. They are the future of this church. They are being lights on their campus. And don't, don't for a second think, you know what? In, in, in youth ministry, in, in children's ministry, that's kind of the, the job of teaching and training them, it should be left up to their parents. And I'll just leave their parents to disciple them and, and, and tell them about Jesus and present the gospel. Yes, that is, that is true. It is very much the role of the parents to, to be teaching and training this. But I know for a fact there are a ton of students in high school ministry alone that are the only Christians in their family. They are the only light their parents do not know the Lord. I, I've had students that have walked here from like across town because their parents don't want to get up early on Sunday mornings and drive them to church. You think about that, that's crazy, but it's so true and it's the world that we live in. There are, there are students that desperately need older adults to be role models to them and to teach them and train them and show them what God's word says, to be examples, to show them what a loving and Christian marriage looks like. We need to be those ambassadors within our own church and congregation. There are children who need a, 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 parent, a parent figure who will just love them and tell them about Jesus who died on the cross for them, how they can know that same salvation that you know. Another way, get involved in short-term mission trips. There's tons of opportunities for short-term mission trips. Get involved. Go on one of these things. You say, oh, well, that's dangerous, or that's inconvenient, or it's dirty, or I don't, you know, the food is weird, or something like that. Okay, that's a really terrible excuse. I don't see that in 2 Corinthians 5. We are ambassadors not to convenient places. We are ambassadors to every corner of this world. Serve in the cafe, the security team. Greet folks at the door. Greet new people who come in. When, when Christine so wonderfully does announcements and asks for new visitors to raise their hand, you know, maybe don't make it awkward and be like, hey, you, I'll see you after service. I'm going to, you know, take you out to lunch. But take note of these people and go after them. Remember, we are ambassadors. We conduct business on behalf of the king, not on our own behalf. 
serve in the after-school Bible club at Golden Oak. Man, what a great, great opportunity to literally, where we as the church are being an ambassador, where we are being a light in this dark world, and we can really genuinely make a difference. Join in our group. There are great opportunities in our groups um, to, to encourage one another, to reach out to one another, to, as in our group, serve in the community. Our, our group does that. Reach out to your neighbors, the other moms in your kids' classes, your coworkers, the other parents on your kids' soccer team. Don't just show up, do your thing, watch your kid, and then leave. Do you think that it is by chance, by coincidence, that the sovereign God of the universe placed you where he placed you, put you in the neighborhood that he put you in, put, you on the t- put your kid on the sports team that he put your kid on? You are there to be an ambassador. Find out why. Find out why he placed you there. The New Living Translation in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, I love the way the New Living Translation says this. Paul says, as God's partners. As God's partners. Think about that. We beg you not to reject the marvelous message of God's great kindness. As God's Partners, we beg you not to reject the marvelous message, the marvelous message of God's great kindness. I, I love this the picture of, of Paul literally begging the church, please, church, do this, live this out. What passion, what single-minded purpose Paul has in his message and in his life. And yet so often we just piddle through life, so distracted, so busy, and we forget that we have one purpose— and that is to be an ambassador for Jesus in this dark, dark world. I'm going to close with this, um, just this quick little text, uh, this quick little story from, I just finished this book a month ago or so. It's called Bruchko. Maybe some of you have read, read, read it. It's a little older book. Um, the high schoolers are probably tired of me talking about it because I've been talking about it and referring to it multiple times over the last few weeks, but it is a, it is a powerful book. And this, this young man, he uh, grows up in this, a uh, very traditional Lutheran home, um, but everything, not only in his home, but in the whole community is very much for show. It's very traditional. The idea of, of, of having a personal relationship with Jesus is completely foreign to them. And this is in the early 60s. And that just doesn't sit right with him. He's just frustrated by this. Um, and and he's, he's reading through the Gospels and he's, he's looking for an answer because as in his mind, this just isn't enough. And so finally he's reading through John and he comes across several texts and he realizes Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the God that I can know personally and be saved by him and have a relationship with him. And so he prays and he gives his life over to Jesus. And I love the way he says this. And I think, I think this, this story so perfectly illustrates what has happened when we really give our lives over to Jesus and how we need to be living. He says, I lay on my bed... I lay on my bed feeling amazed, too astounded to move or even to think. I kept speaking to Jesus, knowing that he was there. Jesus was there. I didn't have to worry about the the Lutheran God or the Christian God or anyone else's God. They weren't my problem. Jesus was my God, my personal God, and I had just talked to him. The peace was still there in the morning. I've got to share this, I thought. Think about that. I love that. He never read 2 Corinthians 5. He didn't suddenly say like, oh, I'm told to share this. It was just a natural overflow of his great, of of what had happened. He's got to share this. It will change my family completely. He had a really broken, messed up family. 
And the kids at church, they need to know Jesus. Sunday afternoons, the Lutheran youth group met in the basement of the church. I arrived early. Only a few boys were there, standing in various parts of the room talking. I went over to a group of three whom I knew and started explaining what had happened to me. I was smiling broadly and expected them to react in the same way. Instead, they had a careful, reserved expression on their face. Something was wrong, but I didn't know what. A few other boys came up and listened, all of them solemn. When I finished, there wasn't a sound. Then one of the boys looked up at the old wood ceiling and said, So, you found a special door to heaven, eh, Bruce? Yeah, you've really gotten super spiritual all of a sudden, Olson. They didn't understand. I, w- I must not have explained it right. No, no, that's not it at all, I said. It's there for anyone, not just for me. I'm not trying to tell you, something I, tell you I'm something special. I looked back and forth across the little circle of cold, withdrawn faces. These were my peers. I wanted them to understand, but they were looking at me as though I were an animal in the zoo. How very sad. This week, um, actually since, since Thursday, I had, it, it was kind of odd. I, at first I started thinking it was odd. I had several different opportunities to, to help people. Um, two people whose car I saw, um, I drove right past them, they were broken down, I was able to give them a jump. Um, one person I was out on a bike ride uh, along the St. John's uh, River Parkway, and these, a couple of guys that uh, were on that gravel dirt road, and they, they gunned it to try and like get going, and instead of like moving, they buried their car in the gravel, and it was right as I was coming up on my bike, and so I thought, well, great, I can hop off, and I helped them push their, push their car out, and um, just a few other things. And as I started thinking about that, I thought, I don't think God is putting these things in my place so that I can have an illustration on Sunday morning. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that's the case. It's not like, all right, here you go, I'll make it easy for you. I think that there are opportunities in front of me all the time but I'm just not noticing them. I'm just not aware of them. I think because I'd been thinking about this message this week, I was more aware of the fact that I am an ambassador for Christ and looking for opportunities to conduct business on his behalf. And the fact is, I think too often we all just go through life and we're not constantly looking. We don't have the lenses to see, where is God going to try and use me? Where can I be an ambassador for him? Folks, let's get out there and be ambassadors. Let's start conducting business on behalf of King Jesus. Uh, I'm going to be up here after I pray and some other leaders in our church. If you, if you don't know Jesus personally, if you have never exchanged places with him, you can start today. You can begin today to be an ambassador for Christ. Uh, if not, if you've given your life to him, go out those doors and be an ambassador for him. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come to you and we so desperately need you. Uh, this, this text reminds us of how lost we were and the great length that you went to save us. Uh, God, as we leave this morning, we have opportunities in front of us, individually and as a church. Uh, help us to have the eyes to see those opportunities and help us to obey and walk by faith and do those things and follow through and obey. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.